Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. Well, it's already been said multiple times, but happy Father's Day to all of you that are out there. And uh, today I want to talk to you uh, kind of from the other side of fatherhood. I want to talk to you about what it means to be beloved sons and daughters of God. And I want to look at God as our Father and each of us that know Jesus Christ uh, in our role as sons and daughters. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet encountered Him, if you haven't come to know Him in a personal and real way, that you would seek Him, that you would you'd seek, knock, and ask. You'd look for Him. He'll meet you in your seeking. Amen? Yeah, and that's my message today. Beloved sons and daughters of God. It's all about God's love, not ours. A gentleman who was a professed Christian was taken seriously ill. He became troubled about the little bit of love that he felt in his heart for God. And he spoke of his experience to a friend. This is how the friend answered him. Remember, this guy's laying in the hospital. He's feeling pretty cool, kind of cold, kind of hard in his love toward God. And he's, he's troubled by that. And so the friend said this to me. He says, when I go home from this place, I expect to take my baby up on my knee. To look into her sweet eyes, listen to her charming prattle. And tired as I am, her presence will rest me. For I love that child with unutterable tenderness. But she loves me little. If my heart were breaking, it would not disturb her sleep. If my body were racked with pain, it would not interrupt her play. If I were dead, she would forget me in a few days. Besides this, she has never brought me a single penny, but has been a constant expense to me. I am not rich, but there's not enough money in the world to buy my baby. How is it? Does she love me or do I love her? Do I withhold my love until I know she loves me? Am I waiting for her to do something worthy of my love before I extend it? This practical illustration of the love of God for His children caused, the te- caused tears to roll down the sick man's face. Oh, I see, he exclaimed. It's not my love to God, but God's love for me that I should be thinking of. And I do love Him now as I've never loved Him before. As 1 John 4, 19 says, we love Him because He first loved us. You know, I want to tell you today that The essence of the gospel, what we call the gospel if you're a Christian, the gospel means good news. The essence of the gospel is not the human efforts that we engage in to make God happy with us. It's not about all the work we can do to please Him. It's not about how good we're being. It's not like we come before God and present to Him a case of our righteousness, our holiness, our goodness, and we say, look, this is me. And I'm good, God. And then God goes, well done, you're in. Because we know that God's standard is perfection. The essence of the gospel is that God pursued broken human beings when we were unable to respond, when we were even enemies, when we didn't want anything to do with Him. His love compelled Him and moved Him to take action on our behalf. 
The gospel is not man's efforts to get to God. That's religion, and that's dead religion. The gospel is God's efforts to get to humanity and to reach us and pull us out of the pit called sin that we were in. Amen? So firstly, we have to find ourselves in Jesus as a son or a daughter of God. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says this. I think it will be up on the screen. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Do we have that scripture verse? We don't? Oh, no. I thought I sent it. Oh, well. Listen to the text. Therefore, listen to this. Therefore, be imitators of God as, listen to these words, beloved children. You know, we're going to look at a couple of texts of Scripture today, but two of them we're going to look at are when Jesus is baptized. And when Jesus is baptized, He goes into the water, John the Baptist is baptizing Him, He goes into the water, and as He comes out of the water, the Scripture says the heavens are opened, and the Holy Spirit descends on Him like a dove, and a voice from heaven, the voice of His Father, speaks and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we're going to talk about that. But what I want you to see today is when Ephesians 5.1 says to us, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, it uses the same Greek word, beloved, as it does when the Father is speaking of His, of his Son. So in essence, what the Scripture is telling us is that we're able to imitate God, we're able to follow our Father like little boys and girls looking at their dad, trying to look at their superhero dad and do whatever he does, in that same way that we're trying to imitate him, um, he looks at us and he approaches us as he would his own son, and he sees us as beloved And it's the Greek word, the the root of it is the Greek word agape. Many of you know that word agape. It's God's kind of self-sacrificial, all-giving love. It's love that ultimately always seeks to benefit the other. So when God looks at you, when God looks at me, when God looks at his sons and daughters, he's not just like, you know, putting up with us. He doesn't just like us a little bit. He's not like trying to endure with our stuff. He's not kicking back all the time, looking at our lives in disappointment. Because many of us feel that. We feel continually as though we're failing God, and He must be disappointed all the time because we're aware of our sin. We're aware of our failings. And yet when God looks at us, He looks at us in His Son, and He sees belovedness. He sees value that goes right to The essence of who we are and the essence of who He is. Amen? So, you know, just from this one text, there's some simple but profound truths that are foundational to the Christian's life. First of all, it's God's design that we become like Jesus and relate to our Father as Jesus did. You know, if you want to know, if you're you're looking, what is the Christian life about? Well, the standard is Jesus, and we're called to be conformed to His image, and so our lifetime is going to be a journey of becoming more and more like Him. And secondly, it's God's design to relate to us as He does His own Son. And I I don't know if you really get that. I I understand sometimes we can grasp something intellectually, but, you know, I've heard people say it doesn't quite sink down into the heart. But I'm hoping today a little bit of what you know here will sink down into your being, and you'll really believe, maybe for the first time in your life, That when Father God looks at you and Father God relates to you, 
He relates to you in the same way he would his own son. And he's crazy about you. I've jokingly told people, people if, you know, if God had a refrigerator and he had pictures all over it, your picture would be on it. And if he had a wallet, he'd pull it out and he'd show everybody, right? People would have to endure his photos. So I want to look today at what I'm going to call four stages of being beloved sons and daughters of God, four stages in our life, and we're going to take Jesus as our pattern. So we're going to relate to the father's relationship to his son, and we're going to personalize it, and we're going to think of the father's relationship to his son in the same way as he would relate to us. Amen? So the first is a text from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, excuse me, and we're going to look at Jesus' baptism from the gospel of Mark's perspective. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Now what I'm going to want you to see today is that in Mark's gospel, the Father says, you are my beloved Son, but in Matthew's gospel, He says, this is my beloved Son. And I I want you to see the difference because it's really important. I believe that the writers were being led by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote. So let's talk about this. First of all, stage one, if you're taking notes, is you are my beloved Son or daughter. You are. It's very personal. And I want you to think about this. Before Jesus had done anything in his ministry, before he'd preached a single sermon, before he'd raised any people from the dead or healed any sick people, before he had taught profound truths that were still being rocked by, before he had ever performed, the Father said of him, you are my beloved son. Wow, think about that. Many of us, we... We live our lives constantly under the weight of what I will call a performance orientation. We're taught from the time we're young, it's about performance. Sometimes it's the homes we're raised in, and I think our parents should challenge us. I I think we should be challenged to stretch and grow and go beyond anything we knew we were capable of, but there's a danger in a performance mentality. The danger in the performance mentality is that if your parents attach love and acceptance to you based upon how you perform and not unconditionally, you grow up your entire life believing that you're only loved when you're doing it good, when you're doing it right, and when you fail, you experience rejection. So then what happens is we come into this relationship with God and we begin to look upon God without knowing it subconsciously. We relate to God as though He is one of our parents that required performance for love to be there. And we don't realize it. So what are we doing? In the back of our mind, we realize we are never able to measure up. And we, without realizing it, we perform for God hoping He's going to love us and accept us. And we don't realize that He already does. And it's not based upon your performance. Is this speaking to anybody's heart? See, you are beloved to Him. You are beloved to Him. Not just you. You. And you. And you. Beloved. 
He knows you by name. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your, your thinking, your dreaming, your hoping, your fears, your doubts, your dreams. He knows your sin. He loves you anyway. See, this is your father. This is what he's like. He's not like human fathers. He's perfect. He's pure. Secondly, we see the account of Matthew and baptism number two, Matthew 3, 16 and 17. Look at it with me. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Now, I want you to notice he doesn't say to Jesus, you. Here he says in this particular account, this. And this is for the sake of the other hearers. John the Baptist and maybe some others that were around experienced something of the voice of God in an audible way. And they heard the Father affirming his son. This is my beloved son. It's made to those around him. This second stage is so important for us as well. We can trust God to tell others who we are. There is something so important to knowing that your father is telling others about you. There's no need to blow your own trumpet when God is declaring how beloved you are to him in front of others. God will say of you, He'll talk to people. I know some of you in this room that maybe don't believe in this personal idea of God speaking to you. You know, it's funny. In our culture, if people say, I talk to God, we all like, yeah. But if someone says, and God talks back, we go, whoa. It's hearing voices. They're whacked out. Sight case. Right? But, but the reality is, is that you and I were created for a two-way relationship with God. God has always spoke to His people. That didn't end when the Bible was completed. It's not just for people back in Bible times. The voice of God is for you and I right now. And here's the beauty. The very Holy Spirit of God comes to indwell the believer, and the very voice of God speaks from within. Now, the very voice of God will always confirm what is here. He'll never contradict. The Holy Spirit will never contradict Scripture. But we can count on the fact that God's going to talk to us. I remember years ago, I'll tell my own story real quick here, and that is when I was ordained as a pastor to this church. This is a long time ago, really long time ago. But my dad was here, and he was a very strong prophetic, he had a very strong prophetic gift, but his gift was not pastor. And... Um, we had a guest minister come in the church, and I was standing up front here talking to some people. And this guest minister came in, and my dad and David Miner were upstairs in the back office where Pastor Raul used to be. And uh, this guest minister walked in the building. They were already up there, and he was told to go up there and meet them. He walked in the building, and he started to make his way around you know, the sanctuary here and go up the stairs. And before he did, he stopped, and he saw me up here talking to some people. And right at that moment, the Holy Spirit said to him, that man up there is the pastor of this church. So he walks upstairs and he tells my dad and David Minor. They had just been speaking a couple days before that, saying, you know, we, we definitely need a pastor. And, and both of them were like, I think Doug's the guy. It'd be really cool if God would confirm it to us. So then I go walking up the stairs to meet him before the service. And they kind of do a, by the way, Doug. We feel like God's called you to be the pastor of this house. And I was already functioning as a youth pastor and doing some other things. But they said, we, we believe you're called to be the pastor of this church. And shortly after that, I was prayed for, had hands laid on me, and was ordained as a pastor. Now, here's the beauty of it. 
I didn't have to strive to get people to see I was the guy, right? In fact, the truth of the matter is there was a part of me that was very reluctant. I didn't really want to do that. But God spoke to other people. And here's what I want to tell you. Some of us, we, we so want to be noticed. We so want to be recognized. Why? Because our whole life, maybe even as children, we were looking, at, looking for that from our parents, right? Look at me. I drew a picture. Look at me. I jumped. Look at me. I did this thing. We want our, our parents to watch. Just watch a child. Look, Dad. Look, Mom. And, and we have to be so careful. We're not like, shut up. Be quiet. Leave me alone. I have more important things to do than to notice you. Because the most important thing you can do is stop and notice. And God notices. He takes the time to recognize even our smallest accomplishments. And it, the beauty is, He'll tell others. He'll tell others, you won't have to do it yourself. You don't have to blow your trumpet and say, hey, everybody, look over here. The Lord will begin to speak to people and confirm your belovedness. Which takes me to the third stage. With you and with whom I am well pleased. Again, personal and for others. Again, think of, think of this. Before Jesus had performed any miracle, taught anyone, before he'd performed in any way, the Father said this of him, I am well pleased. You and in whom I am well pleased. Think about that. Think about that. The pleasure of God was there before the performance of Jesus. Now, this is big for some of you. Some of you in this room, you're so caught up in performance mentality, performance orientation. Your whole life, you have based your entire value. I know I'm like that. My value was so connected to what I could do, how I could perform. And for some of you, that means that when you face difficulties in life, Maybe a health issue came along, or you lost your job, or you've gone through a period of time where you're knocked down and disoriented and things aren't going well. Your identity and your value as a human being begin to suffer deeply, and you start wondering if, if life is even worth living because you're not able to accomplish. And I do want to say this, we're created to work, we're created to accomplish. God made us that way. I understand that that's put into us, but we have to come to a point in our life where we recognize that ultimately what gives me value, what gives me belonging, what causes me to, as a human being, be able to say to the world, I'm okay, is that God the Father loves us and He's pleased with us, not based upon all we can do for Him, but just because we are. It's profound. You know, you've heard this before, but years ago, I heard somebody say this. This is a long time ago now. Somebody said, we are human beings, not human doings. And, and you might think, that's not a big deal. I'm telling you, that's a big deal. When you get a hold of that, because most of us, we believe we're in human doings. Our entire identity is built upon what we can do for God, what we can do in our world. God wants us to be at rest in who we are, amen, and His love for us, in whom I am well pleased. That word just well pleased means absolutely so happy with, taking great pleasure in. That's the way God looks at us. He does the same thing. He says, in, with you and in whom, again, for the sake of others and for your own sake. He tells you, Josh, I'm well pleased with you. And he tells others, 
I'm well pleased with my son Josh. I'm well pleased with him. I love him. He's mine. Amen? Takes me to stage four. Listen to him. Listen to him. This is a big one. In Matthew's gospel, the 17th chapter, we're going to look at it here, verses 1 through 8. I want to especially look at verses 5 through 8. We have this story where Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he encounters Moses and Elijah, and Peter, James, and John are with him. It's a really kind of supernatural, for some of us, this would be a weird experience, okay? This actually happened. Let's look at it. Verse 1, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. That word is a Greek word, metamorphosis. It means to be changed like a caterpillar would be into a butterfly. He was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. So the glory of who Jesus really was that had been veiled and hidden began to actually come out. And they saw him as he truly was. And his clothes became as white as light, so much so that even his clothing changed, it transfigured. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Wow, how many of you know that would be amazing? Come on, use your holy imagination. This isn't just a Bible story. This, just actually maybe for a moment believe this is actually something that happened. And let's continue to look at it. And they're talking with him, and Peter does what many of us would do. Being a human doing, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking. In other words, Peter had a tendency to go on and on and on. He had foot and mouth disease. He was always putting his foot in his mouth. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified, you think? But Jesus came, I love this, but Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Okay. There's a lot here. I could preach on this for a month. And some of you are like, no, please. We, we have steaks marinating at home. First thing I want you to see, just to kind of walk you through some theological ideas, Moses and Elijah represent the whole of the Old Testament, the whole of the Old Covenant. Moses was the giver of the law. Elijah was the greatest of the prophets. We see the whole of the law and the prophets. So what, what's happening here is Jesus, the embodiment of the new covenant, is meeting with the embodiments of the old covenant in person. They are actually appearing on the mountaintop with him. And he's speaking with them. And this is interesting. Luke's gospel tells us he's speaking about his departure. It's the Greek word exodus. He's talking to them about the New Testament exodus. I'm going to lead people not out of Egypt, but out of death and sin, and I'm going to lead him into the promised land of new life in Christ. He's speaking with them of his exodus, and they represent right theology, getting all of your doctrine down. And then Peter, like us, he, he wants to build something for these three great heroes. 
He's looking at Moses, he's looking at Elijah, he's looking at Jesus. He's like, these are the greatest three people in the history of Israel. I want to build them a tent. It's not much. I mean, at least if you're going to build them something, build them something extravagant. A tent? Are you kidding me? What's Peter saying? Peter's missing the point. The point isn't that we have three equals here. The point is that these two came to meet the fulfillment of everything they represented. They were the shadow. They were the symbol. He's the real deal. Right? And so they're there pointing to him. And I love what happens. Um, You know, Peter's timing and his focus is off. And Jesus is the priority and the focus. And Peter gets shut down. And I love how he gets shut down. A cloud of glory and the voice of God overshadows him. Right? God just kind of shows up in his glory. The voice of God speaks. All the disciples are on their face. And we need that in our life. Sometimes we need to quit telling God all we're going to do for him. Right? Some of us are like that. Lord, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. We're trying to prove something to the Father. I'm going to do this and I'm going to be good. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to do this. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to read my Bible every day. And we really think we're impressing God. Right? And I'm going to do something for you that's going to make a difference. I'm going to witness to all my neighbors. And I hear the heart. But how many of you know most of the time we're, we're unable, we're powerless to follow through? We step out to do it and we fail and then we feel condemned and it's like, oh man, I blew that. I'm not going to do that sin anymore, right? And in our own will and our own strength, we set out to conquer that thing and what happens? We fall into it the very next day. And God's just saying, knock all that off. The key to your transformation, the key to you becoming the son and daughter I want you to become is that you take your attention off yourself and what you can do for me and you look at Jesus. Because if you'll look upon the Son, you'll be changed. There's a principle in theology, a principle in life. It's, here's, here's what it is. Whatever you spend time beholding and looking upon is what you become like. Think about your own life. What you engage the most in looking upon and giving your attention and your affections to, what you gaze upon is what you become like. And so that's what happens in this particular story. We need to be overshadowed. And, and then the Father says, listen to the beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. And so we've seen in stage one, you are my beloved Son. In stage two, and daughter, uh, this is my beloved Son or daughter. In stage three, in you or in whom I'm well pleased. And in stage five, listen to him or her. And why is this so important? Because a lot of us feel the need to be heard. Think about marriage. Think about your marriage. What's one of your main complaints when you get in conflict? You just want to be heard. Anybody relating? Come on, don't look at me like that. Come on. I just got to be heard. My perspective is important. I remember times Peggy and I have been working through conflict, and those are literally my words. I just need you to hear me with that wild look in my eyes, right? And, And you think about it. That's what children always want from their parents. Hey, mom, dad, listen to this. Hey, mom, dad, look at this. Listen, I want you, I, I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to tell you a poem. I, I put together a play. I love when kids do their little acting skits in front of us, right? And, you know, if we're, if, if, if we're going to grade it for professionalism and, and we're going to, you know, take note of whether or not this can be reproduced and, and put on social media or actually if a network will pick it up, it's probably not going to work, right? But, 
But the networks and what other people think don't matter to us. What ultimately counts is our own pleasure. And we grow up our whole life wanting to be heard, wanting to have a voice, wanting to have someone listen to us. And what I want to tell you is the Father knows how to tell the whole world, listen to them. Right? Some of you that are trying so hard to make your point. You know, it's, it's a sad time we live in. I, I know I'm doing a lot of social commentary here, but it's a sad time we live in when people who normally would never express their opinion face-to-face don't have the courage to sit down over a cup of coffee and have a good debate about something, will get on social media and shout it from the rooftops. Their opinions, their feelings, their thoughts, and let everybody else know how screwed up they are and how right they are. And you're like, I know that person. They're like mousy in person. Boy, they get on social media and they're a lion, right? But usually they're just a lamb. What happened? We feel the need to let everybody know because we feel the need to be heard. But here's the beauty. When you, get, when you become confident in your status as a son or a daughter, you can trust the Father to say, for you, listen to them. There, there's, there's a quality. Listen, I, I, I got to labor here for a minute. There's a quality to hearing the voice of God on behalf of someone else that I, I can't explain. There have been times I've met with people And they're talking to me, and while they're talking to me, the Holy Spirit is talking to me too. And the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to hear that. This person has something to say. That idea is from me. That thought is from me. Right? Or sometimes you might be praying for someone, a family member, a friend, just somebody that comes to your mind, you're praying for them, and while you're praying for them, the Holy Spirit's talking to you about them. They're going through some stuff in their life. And they need somebody to listen to them and sit down and talk with them and just let them express their heart. Listen to them or him or her. God will do it for you. Is this speaking to anybody? And I want you to notice what happens to Peter and all the disciples. They are restored to their proper position at the end of the story. What happens at the end of the story? They're on their faces, terrified, and the scripture says, Jesus walks over to him. I love this, touches them. And when they lift their eyes, they see no one but Jesus only. And that's what the whole story was about from the very beginning. The desire of the Father is that we look upon the Son. And as we look upon the Son and we see him for who he is, we are changed. And we settle into our own role as sons and daughters. And we don't need to toot our own horn and let everybody know how great we are. God will do it for us. Right? Does that make sense? So I want you to do something. This might seem kind of corny to you, but I just want you to put your hand over your heart for a minute. I want you to say this. I am a son or daughter of God. Well, if you're a daughter, you can say daughter. And if you're saying, let's, let's do that again. This is, you know, if you know the Lord, I mean, if you're not there yet, it's okay. You don't have to just go along. But, but if, you, if you consider yourself a child of God and knows Jesus Christ, you know the Father because of the Son, just say it one more time. I want you to say it like you believe it. I'm a son of God. I am a son of God. The Lord is for me. The Lord is with me. 
He takes pleasure in me. I am His beloved. Not because of what I've done, but because of who He is and who I am. I am beloved. Amen. You know, even in my own life recently, I've been experiencing this this awareness, and I believe this is God's desire for all of us, this awareness that I don't need to be insecure or afraid when I go into my day and when I go into my life because I know this, God is with me, and God is for me, and if God be for me, who can be against me? And God is in me. And He's favored me. And the same is true of you. If you're a child of God, He's with you. Amen? Why don't you stand?